episode one. When is the last time you experienced uninterrupted focus or complete flow? When is the last time you experienced a deep connection with your work? When's the last time you felt content, centered, at ease, unburdened even? This is the Mac and Wooly Show, a podcast where we discuss and explore the intersection of spirituality and business leadership. In this episode, we want to talk about how spiritual practices can nourish business leaders, building meaningful connections to their work, their teams, and fostering the wisdom to lead in times of turbulence. I'm Jennifer Wooly, one of your hosts. I'm Nydia McGregor, your other host. Jennifer and I teach at Santa Clara University, where we co-teach a course on spirituality and business leadership. In engaging with students on this topic, we find that people are really hungry to explore these ideas and always want more. You know the kind of conversations we're talking about, where you lose track of time and you still haven't been able to say everything you were thinking about. And then the next day, or for the next few days, you're actually coming back to a thought or an idea you talked about, digging deeper. We've created this podcast to continue the conversation and to give us all a chance to spend more time considering the interplay between spirituality and business leadership. So uh, where should we start? Well, it's probably helpful to start at the beginning. What do we mean when we say spirituality? Um, Well, when we talk about spirituality, we stick with a pretty commonly held meeting. Spirituality, as we think of it, and as many others before us, we didn't invent this, Gus. (laughs) We didn't invent this stuff. Um, is the very human search for direction, meaning, or inner wholeness and connectedness to other, to a non-human creation. In other words, connection to something beyond our normal human experience. In practice, meaning what you and I could do, this means consciously working to integrate your life, my life, our lives, in terms of love and the ultimate universal values that we perceive. Oh boy, that sounds like a lot. Um can't we break this down a little bit more to be a little clearer or more specific? Okay, well, I could give it a try. Um, One way that it might be easier to think about spirituality is not just the search for meaning and connectedness, but what people actually do to cultivate this. There are many practices, right? Things, stuff people do that might help us find connection and meaning. Practices that encourage non-judgmental observation or reflection, contemplation or discernment. Perhaps most intriguing for me though, is that any of these practices can range from being very active or really still, really focused and specific or really abstract. So yes, it could mean something like mindful meditation, which many people are probably familiar with. And that kind of meditation emphasizes stillness and abstraction, but it also could mean taking an awe walk where you allow your attention to fall upon whatever objects inspire you as you're walking through the landscape. A tree, the clouds, some kind of architectural doodad. In any case, there's both movement and the joy of discovery. So perhaps spirituality or spiritual practices might seem like a big thing to tackle, but on the ground, in people's lived lives, the way that we practice it and talk about it, there are these small but mighty things. Well, you might be intrigued by an awe walk, and and we definitely have to talk about that later. Um, But, you know, back to the topic right now, 
given all that's going on, uh, and do we really want to add something more to someone's plate, especially business leaders? I mean, they're a little busy. I'm thinking all of us who, even before the pandemic, are connected to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's not just work, okay? We're connected like never before to friends, family, colleagues. You know, we've got social media. And thanks to the uh, invent of YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, and all of those, we can watch TV or films whenever and wherever we want to. So uh, we have plenty of things to keep us busy when we're not working. Yeah, I definitely suffer from that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> raise his hand. <laughs> we're all time constrained because we're never not working. And because if we take a moment, our personal digital lives just rush in to fill that void. It can feel like we have actually less than no time. Negative time. Is that a thing? Negative time? I, I don't know. Yeah, sure but, it is now. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. But in spite of those sensations, I would suggest that we have an illusion that we don't have time. We just choose to do other things, right? I, and I'm not trying to say that it's this is easy, but it's certainly easier to check Facebook or to binge watch, oh, five episodes of a new drama or, dare I say, British baking. Not um, that anybody's done that. Of course not. Not, not anybody here, of course, no. Uh, but it certainly seems easier to do those things than to stop and turn to a spiritual practice um, because it's just so simple to click on the computer for that streamed item. This is so true. But at the same time, you know, we've taught this class and we've talked about this uh, topic. And remember all the ways that our students have fit, sometimes squeezed really, a new spiritual practice into their day or a and the transformative difference that it made. Uh, there was that one student who put a small notebook in her purse and it didn't take much room. It was just a tiny little thing and she put some of her favorite verses in it. Then after dropping off the kids and the commute to work when we were commuting to work, but she'd spend 10 minutes sitting in her car, meditating, looking at some verses uh, before going in. And it was a small change, but she was calmer and more thoughtful as she navigated all the things that the day would throw at her. Yeah, that's a good point. I, re I do remember that. I remember also how she described it as being transformative. And I just loved the idea of her having a quiet, still moment before the bustle of the workday. So you're right. The, the, the crux of that story, though, is that she, she created, it's like she, she pushed away the other things that looked like they had to fill that space. And she created the time and the space as though it mattered. Yeah. Um, and it did, it, it did matter to her um, and it matters to us and it needs to be a genuine priority because these practice, they, they make us feel good and um, they make us feel different in really positive ways. And I'm sure there are people are thinking right now about their lives and everything that's going on and the demands of their situation. And it may feel like they exceed their coping resources and events seem out of control. And these are real economic worries. You know, will I get back to work? Will I be able to afford my rent? Or, you know, when are lives going to be back to the pre-pandemic normal, if that's ever going to happen? And psychologists tell us that sustained over, you know, a long period of time, the physiology of stress, especially the deregulation of the pathways related to stress hormone cortisol, can exert a negative toll on our bodies. So you might be wondering... Um, 
these practices sound just fine during normal times, but what about uh, during this overworked, fried, and burned out situation? I mean, let's face it, we're a bunch of crispy critters here. Raise your hand if you're feeling like a crispy critter. Critter. (laughs) Well, for sure, we're not medical doctors, and we're not trying to provide diagnoses, but the studies and actually the experience of, of our students are pretty clear. The level of anxiety that you're talking about does take a toll emotionally and physically. And yet these practices are really the good news uh, that because generally having a sense of purpose, which is the kind of things that spiritual practices work on, right? And engaging in practices that foster gratitude and empathy, they translate into better overall well-being, even when you're feeling like a crispy critter. So they don't have to be a big bulky thing that intrudes upon your life. Not everyone needs to be a monk in order to benefit, but these small, consistent things are the ones that count. Does it seem obvious that it might be good personally as an individual, but what about professionally? So making time for spiritual practices, support being a better business leader, a leader who has the capacity to be discerning for critical decisions and to make meaningful connections with all the people in your life, your colleagues, your family, your friends, A spiritual practice cultivates character and it strengthens us in times of crisis or when we face adversity, when we confront injustices that, and this enables us to keep calm in those moments of chaos. And if we're able to be still just enough to time or for time to reflect, think expansively, and if needed, access our values and convictions, then with this helps bring our compasses into place. And with that, leaders are able to better direct and inspire others to achieve greater things. Have you heard of Eckhart Tolle? Yes. Okay. So you know he's a he's a spiritual author. He's one of the most widely known books is called The Power of Now. And in that and in other books that he's written, he reminds us that true intelligence operates silently in stillness, that there's an awareness like the type found in spiritual practices. And that's where creativity and solutions to problems, big problems, small problems, but solutions to the kinds of problems that we face, that that's where they're found. So we can all use the ability to access more creative problem solving as we face our workday challenges. And that stillness is something that you get in your spiritual practices. And I think it's even more than that. I mean, we're not just talking about business leaders who are capable of strong analysis or predicting where the new trends will be. We're talking about something more aspirational. And, you know, harking back to Toll again, do we really need more knowledge? I mean, it's kind of obvious that in the big hustle and bustle, your mind can't be calm. So is more information going to save the world or faster computers or more scientific or intellectual analysis? Isn't what humanity needs is more wisdom? And wisdom is not a product of thought, but rather comes from the act of giving someone or something your full attention. And attention, whole and still, joins the perceiver and the perceives into a kind of shared awareness. It's the healer of separation. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) The healer of separations. That's good, Jennifer. (laughs) And when you say it that way, it reminds me of someone 
you know, I recently saw the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. If, I don't know if you caught it or not. Um, it's the fictionalized account of the relationship between Fred Rogers, yeah, Mr. Rogers, and a journalist um, whose name was, uh, oh, Lloyd Vogel. Well, after seeing the movie, many people have commented how kind and big-hearted Mr. Rogers was, that he readily accepted anyone and everyone just for who they are. But from the movie, I got something else, not entirely, but something a little different. And the idea relates to your comments about wisdom being the healer of separation, Mr. Rogers paid his full attention to whoever was in front of him. And the way that Tom Hanks depicts him in the movie, this is really intense. Anytime he's talking to somebody, whenever he's talking to that journalist, Lloyd Vogel, he paused and he just really, really looks and sees them, sees them wholly for a person that they are. And with that attention comes connection and insight. It really let me see how Mr. Rogers was really wise. Um, so we're all going to channel Mr. Rogers? <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't think his sweaters would look too good on me. Well, I sport a cardigan every now and then, but they never have any zip-ups. Darn it. I don't think so. I don't think I have either. No, I don't think Jumping. you need zip-up sweaters. <laughs> But what we could all use a little bit more of is his gift of attention. So in practices and spiritual practices, we're trying to cultivate enough stillness and awareness such that we remain connected to our values, to our purpose, and to our, you know, our people. We can then use that awareness to refresh our vision and remind us of the importance of our work and help us with, you know, insight during all those ups and downs in our work life. Simple. Okay, so I guess at this point we should stop talking and start doing, you know, maybe give people a a little chance to experience that refresh that we've been talking about. Okay. So this is a spiritual practice that comes from a book called Work as a Spiritual Practice. And as we've said, we don't have really a time management problem, meaning we, yes, Jennifer and I, but, you know, all of us collectively, Um, but we have sort of an attention problem. So that's where we're going to start with this spiritual practice, with attention. So you won't be surprised that I'm going to ask, I'll invite you to sit quietly and do nothing. Well, no, not really nothing. In fact, we will together sit quietly and breathe, and listen, and feel, and be aware. So in fact, we will sit quietly and do nothing else but that. So find a comfortable way to sit, um, you know, on the floor, in a chair, um, whatever your circumstances are right now, as you're listening. Um, But you wanna try to sit so that you're comfortable, but you can still hold yourself reasonably upright. The important thing is to find a posture that you can hold um, for, you know, let's call it 10 minutes. Um, We're going to try to avoid a lot of adjustment or fidgeting because we're in in a comfy spot. So now that you've found that space, maybe let your hands comfortably rest in your lap or on your knees. If it's comfortable, turn your palms up. And um, I'm going to ask you, what do you see? You see a window across the room, a picture on the wall. Maybe you're in the car and you're looking out your window there. 
But whatever it is, just do nothing, but sit quietly. So soften your gaze and let it relax. If you can, if you're able, let it fall to the floor, your gaze. Let your gaze fall to the floor in front of you, maybe five to eight feet away. Obviously, if you're driving, this is not recommended. Keep your eyes open. For beginners, especially closing the eyes can be a bit of a distraction. So, and it can, and distracted can create an entirely different meditation experience. So for now, I invite you just to keep your eyes open, but soft. Breathe naturally. Take a nice inhale. Notice as you breathe in and out. All of the many times we breathe in and out in one day. Right now, we're taking time to notice a few breaths. Let's do it again. Breathe in and out. Try to track the progress of your breathing, which means just attend to it. Feeling it come in and then go out. Bring awareness to your chest and your stomach as they move with your breath in and out. You can also concentrate on the air as it comes in and out of your nose. Just see how long you can stay focused on breathing in and out. Let's do that for a few more times. In. out everything's at ease as you attend to your breathing in and out oh did you wander off thinking about that appointment you have next week did it pop into your head that you haven't replied to an email oh that's okay Pat yourself on the back, you're normal. We all do it. So go back and with a gentle voice, invite yourself back to being aware of your breathing. Focusing again on the intake and exhale of your breath. Just that flow. In. Out. No. In the stillness, just remain observant of your breath again. You might also feel things releasing in your jaw in your neck, across your forehead. 
that whatever your observations, just turn your mind back to feeling the ease of air as it flows and travels through your nose and coincides with the expansion of your chest and back. Again, track progress in and out, in and out. And now breathe in and slowly return your attention to the rest of your body. Maybe wiggle your toes and your fingers. Open your eyes if they've closed. Perhaps stretch a little your legs or your back. And when you're ready, turn your attention back to your space, your place, wherever you are. Excellent job. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. That's the end of this episode of the Mac and Wooly Show. See you next time. Take care. Bye.